find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Anybody that listens on a regular basis knows that I have mentioned Dr. Ava many, many times. Well, today I am very pleased to be able to bring you Dr. Ava to the show. And honestly, I've got to tell you guys that if I hadn't met Dr. Ava ages ago, and it actually started out with social media, it didn't even start out with coaching. If I hadn't met her, none of this even would have started. It started out because I was doing social media work with her. And I got so intrigued and learned so much just doing that that I ended up going through the love coaching training that she offers at Loveology University. And I've also mentioned on the show many times that I grew up in a very, how do I say this politely, uh, very um, religious, sexually repressed home. So talking to Dr. Ava was this was like the great taboo. <laughs> you know? So, so, but very enjoyable. But you didn't, you, and and she told me that that it, you know, when you went to the training and and this sort of thing, it it would help you to to feel differently about things. And and I heard her tell people about you know getting rid of the shame and guilt that that surrounded sex for a lot of people. And I, I thought, well, that's a good talking point. That's kind of cool. Well, I could spin that. But but she was right. It was it was amazing. And I started noticing differences in how I thought about things and I viewed things. And it was kind of cool because my, my mom noticed that I started feeling different about things and looked happier. She didn't understand why, but she noticed I seemed happier. And and once I started noticing that, I had to go through the whole curriculum. I had to figure out what in the world the secret was. I, I, I didn't understand, but I had to figure all this out. So... I, I, I could say that, that y'all have Dr. Ava to blame for the radio show <laughs> and all of this. <laughs> so I don't think it's really blame. I'm, I'm ecstatic about all this. So she's the one that started this journey that I'm on, you guys. So, Dr. Ava, I am thrilled beyond words to have you with me today. Oh, thank you, Nikki. And so thank you for having me. It's just appropriate. I said, I've got to have Dr. Ava come in, and I've got to talk to her and ask her questions. And, and she's, she's the sex guru, you guys. So we're going to talk to her, and we're going to talk about neuroloveology. And it, it's an awesome book, you guys. But we're going to kind of nitpick, and we're going to pick out some little little tidbits from that. And uh, you guys need to get your own copy, because mine, mine's got notes and highlights all over the place. Dr. Ava, you want to kind of tell the listeners, I've, I've told them some tidbits about how you got into it, but how about you share with the listeners, how, how in the world did you end up in the, the field of love and relationships and, and sex? Well, it really came from adversity, so I definitely think it was my destiny to become a sexologist and to, um, you know, write all of these books about love and romance and relationships and sex, because I, too, was raised in a very strict religious um, orphanage, actually, run by nuns, and so... You know, they scared the living daylights out of the kids there, and they told me that if I ever kissed a boy, a baby would pop out of my mouth, and they told me it was a mortal sin to touch myself, and so I grew up very, very confused and had horrible relationships because I just didn't understand what love was, and I didn't. Uh, sex and intimacy and all that stuff was foreign and scary and dark. And so I made it my mission to find out everything I could. And, uh, 
you know, I wanted to do it so that I would have a healthy relationship, which I did have with my wonderful husband who passed away. But, you know, I feel so blessed. And then, of course, I've traveled all over the world lecturing to people because everybody wants to be loved and everybody wants to be a good lover. And just in the last few years, I went to Africa, I went to India, I went to Australia, I went to China, and I've lectured to just hundreds and thousands of people who are hungry for this kind of knowledge. And so uh, this was most definitely my mission. You know, it's so funny. I, I see your post pop up on Facebook, and, and folks, you literally never know when, where in the world she is. You, you just you never know <laughs> what's next. <laughs> you know? Always looking, go, where is she traveling? And, and she'll, she'll post something and say, like, the, the view at her hotel window. I'm like, where in the world is she now? <laughs> yeah, I'm so lucky to actually be paid to travel and teach my favorite subject. So I, I could not have imagined a better career for myself when I was younger. I know. It's, it's so funny. We, I remember one of the things we put together and, and at the end, she says, did I say I love my job? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I might use that a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's so rewarding. Oh, it definitely is. There's a lot of times when I'll do a show, like like we did one that, about the Brock Turner case, and that's one of those ones I just, I, I see a report about it, and my blood just boils because it just, oh, it just infuriates me. And and the thing is, it's, it's one of those ones where I, I do the show, and it, it's, the, one of those things is like, you know, if, if it just resonates with one person, you know, it, it means so much to me. And that's, that's the thing with so many of these things. I do a show and, and you know, we get to the end and, and the outro music plays and, and I, I, I truly feel that way. It's like, you know, if, if an article or one of the shows or something, if it just helps one person, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I do this kind of stuff. And, and even like I was saying in the introduction tonight, you know, it's so much of the stuff, it helped me feel so much better and and so much of the stuff that weighed me down for, for years and years was just gone. It's like, you know, if I can feel that much better myself, I don't completely understand why it made such a difference, but if it can help me that much, I, I've got I've to get the word out and help other people. I've got to do it and help other people. Yeah, no, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. If it just helps one person to improve the quality of their lives, it's all worthwhile. That's it. Got to do it for people. Well, the thing is, they've they've got to be ready to hear it, and they've got to be ready to to make a change. But the thing is, even if they're not ready right now, if they're hearing it when they're ready, I hope they're going to remember and they're going to come back and say, you know what, I'm ready. Let's do this. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there. They're going to remember yep. when they're ready for it. I agree. As they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, that's why we have websites with all this information, and we have, we have archives so they can go back and listen when they're ready. Yeah, anytime, any place, it's never too late to educate yourself and empower yourself about love and sex. Exactly. Well, and you know, the funny thing, is, um, and, and I was going over this last night, it's, it's so empowering to have the right information, the honest information, not, not the crap you, you kind of are fed over the years, you know, when people are giving you the wrong information, you know, like the, 
say if you kiss a boy, you know, baby's going to pop out of your mouth. And and when I was a kid, my, my uncle got this big kick out of saying, you know, if you swallow a watermelon seed, you're going to have a baby. You know, not, not that kind of junk, you know, but the real truthful information. Having the real and positive information. We don't put, you know, anything negative or fearful. We put accurate, positive, loving information. So, right. yeah, you're right. Well, and I remember one of the things, and it, it actually hit me in a totally different way back about a month ago, because I remember the, when, when I was going through the part of the training about, you know, the coaching the love coach, I, I really, really enjoyed that part of the, the program too, was about not being judgmental. Even, even if it, it hits you kind of funky when, when, you know, a client says something, don't be judgmental with the person. And it hit me in a way the other day when I was reading over that. It's like, you know, and, and do that for ourselves. Don't be judgmental for ourselves when, when we're kind of hashing through how we feel about certain things. And, and even, even that non-judgmental aspect of things is so huge for ourselves. You know, give ourselves mm-hmm. a, you know, gracious. Because we can be as, as hard on ourselves as other people are and more so. In oh, life. yes. I mean, humans are very self-destructive. You know, we all say we want to be happy, and yet we prepare for sadness or failure. So, yes, being non-judgmental and forgiving yourself is just as important as doing that with others. Definitely. For ourselves and for people that we love and care about. Mm-hmm. So you have written this really cool book. She did this after I stopped working with you, her, you guys, so, so I have to dig on, on the show and get details about this one. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First of all, let's, let's explain what Loveology is because she's the founder of Loveology University, which is where I met her. So what is Loveology for the listeners? Well, Loveology is the science of love. And I trademarked the name and I you know, wanted to train Loveologists all over the world to uh, enrich you know, their love lives, but also to help people start a new career like yourself and become a certified loveologist and love coach. And so, you know, it's this, under the umbrella of the science of love, it includes everything from intimate communication to dating to uh, flirting to body language to defining healthy relationships and intimacy to having the very best sex of your life and uh, multiple orgasms too, for men and women. (laughs) Yeah, it's all that and more. (laughs) The course curriculum, folks, is fantastic. (laughs) Oh, and and it's better than ever now because I've added narration and videos to all of the courses. And there are some unusual courses, you know, um, for people who enjoy fetishes or, or people who enjoy, um, you know, polyamory. Uh, but one of my favorite courses is definitely about disabilities and intimacy because I believe we're all going to have a disability in the bedroom at some point in our lives, whether it's emotional or physical. So basically, I... I created Loveology University because these were all the courses that I wanted to learn when I was getting my doctorate, and they didn't have they didn't have all these courses on, you know, tantric sex or boundaries and taboos. Uh, they didn't have they didn't even have a course on oral sex. So I've basically created over thirty five courses on everything that I could think of <laughs> that would help empower people and make them more confident sexually. 
I, I know I have when when people say, "Well, what did you study that's unusual?" I, I love. I just send them the link, and and they come back with. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, what's unusual to one person may not be unusual to another because um, obviously I have the gay courses for male lovers and the one, you know, for female lovers. That's very important. Um, but also fantasies are very important too and uh, aphrodisiacs and, you know, uh, power play, all that stuff I think is, is relevant because... It opens up intimate communication for you and your partner to explore and expand your your sexual horizons. That's it. Well, they they they're thinking like regular study courses at like you know a, a regular college or or whatever. I'm like no 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 no. You, you you've got to see this list to comprehend people. You you just 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 take a look. Just click the link. But yeah, I, I get more interesting comments when I show them that link. I'm like I'm just just. Click on the link, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah, it's definitely the the most fun education that I can think of. I, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was working eighty hours a week when I went through and took those classes. But oh my I, goodness! And, <laughs> and still, still completed it in a year. But you I, did, you did. Yeah, you're definitely one of my my very, very best students. So you're at the head of the class, excuse uh, the pun. <laughs> yeah. Didn't pay her to say that, y'all. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Hey, I still remember the questions I missed on the final exam, too. <laughs> so, and ah. answers. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah, I have tests after every single course. There's tests to make sure you're comprehending everything before you move on to the next topic and then of course I've made it much harder since you were a student <laughs> much more difficult yes well I remember I, I like that you can at any time you still have access to everything so at any time I want to go back for a refresher I've still got access to go in anytime that things are updated I can go back because I know I know when you went through and, and updated the different courses and added stuff I mean even you know, there's continuing education, so any courses you added after that, I had access to go in and take the take the quizzes at the end. So I, I really like the way that you've got stuff set up. So even though it's been six years, I can still go back and, and see the stuff that was updated. You know, it's, so it's, it's I, like I said, I, I rave about it to everybody I talk to. Oh, thank you, Nikki. So, like I said, I didn't pay her for any of that. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay her to say any of that about me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. So, neurolovology. I figured they got to mm-hmm. understand lovology to grasp neurolovology. So, what what is neurolovology? That that gets it a little more specific and a little deeper. What is that? Well, let me. Right. The, the entire title of the book is Neurolovology: The Power to Mon- Mindful Love and Sex. What is that? So, you know, neurolovology is is the blending of neuroscience and the science of love. And I wrote the book to offer like really unique techniques and applications of the brain functioning to heighten love and romance and intimacy and sex in your life. And, you know, uh, neuroscience has proven that we still grow brain cells no matter how old we are. And uh, that's a fantastic piece of information. And so this book can help people make love a priority in their lives 
even with so many daily distractions that prevent us from connecting, you know, we have to find ways to get our mind and body ready, willing and able to give and receive love. So that's, that was my catalyst, and I was very lucky to get it endorsed by Dr. John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and he loved the book. And so I used a lot of his quotes in the book. I wanted to share his incredible wealth of knowledge, too. Yeah, I was uh, I was Googling it and looking at some of the different things and, and found uh, a video where he did quite a few, you know, was saying quite a few different things and and doing some of the quotes from the book and, and sharing his thoughts. And that was that was very very nice video actually. Yeah. So now now through my studies and my my work with you and talking to you and and y'all y'all can see how we could easily you know talk quite frequently. <laughs> so we we know that the brain is one the largest sex organ and incredibly important for, you know, um, deep and meaningful sex. So, guys, I know you're thinking of something else, but the brain is incredibly important. <laughs> so, so what are some tips that we can give to people to help them if they're having, having tr- trouble, you know, getting their mind engaged and interested in sex and intimacy with their partner? What, what are just a few tips that we can give them to, to get the mind more involved? So... In my book, there's one chapter about passion assassins and how to defeat them and reconnect mentally, physically, and emotionally. So the number one thing you have to do is to create an environment that is stress-free because women especially need a clean, tidy environment. Um, And this is actually called the Goldilocks of the brain. In order to function at an optimal level, you know, a woman has to feel like she's relaxed. Otherwise, she's going to think about um, the laundry or the bed's a mess. And, you know, there are several brain chemicals that come into play during a relationship that triggers the release of these feel-good endorphins. Once you have created a non-stressful environment, it releases dopamine, and that motivates our pleasure and reward center in our brain. And then oxytocin is a very important feel-good hormone that lowers our stress. Um, So it's just really important to create a beautiful environment. And I always say to couples, Um, the first thing they should do when they see each other is to have an embrace, a a tantric hug, which is you hug each other with your two hearts connecting. And just for six, seven seconds, that will release the oxytocin, that bonding chemical that will put you into a mindful state, ready, you know, for love, romance, and, and, and sexuality. I'm with you. I like it. Okay. Yeah, so that, I mean that's a pretty simple solution, right? The the hug. But then of course, you want to turn the TV off. You know, you want to turn your computer off. You want to leave your cell phone out of the room. You know, and then the other thing is you want to also get rid of the um the voices in your head that might be self-destructive, like, oh, I don't feel sexy. Well, just get rid of those and just just be mindful about how grateful perhaps you are to 
have a partner who loves you, who cares about you, who you have great sex with, um, how grateful you are that you're healthy, that you're, you know, you, that you're smart, that you, that you have food on the table. Gratitude always replaces anything negative sort of tenfold. So if you're having trouble focusing, those are a couple of little tips that definitely work. Okay, I like that. Yeah, there's voices in my head that won't shut up that cause me problems. <laughs> we all have them. I mean, and the problem is we, we repeat those voices over and over and over again. We've got to snap out of that. It's yeah. so destructive. And, you know, of course, eye gazing, when you eye gaze with your lover, um, that can help to release all of that negative self-talk. And synchronized breathing is another great technique to be mindful. So there are lots and lots of great tips and techniques to help you focus uh, on, on love. So does, does talking to your partner help block out those voices in your head? Well, it depends what you're talking about. (laughs) If you're giving each other compliments, yes, yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, not not talking about the laundry or the bills or anything, but I mean, talking talking good stuff with them, Dr. Ava. Come on now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Talking and looking and touching, using all five of your senses. That's the best way to eliminate internal and external distractions. And there's a lot of you know, great ways to, um, you know, improve and enhance the senses. I mean, for sight, you know, just just seeing your lover um, or having um, visual flowers to make you, you know, feel sort of in a, in a romantic mood or dancing together, seeing each other do a striptease. So stimulating the sight actually creates what we call mirror neurons, and that can bridge the brain and, uh, and open up the way to powerful transactions between the two of you. You know, when you feed each other, when you dance together, when you even have mutual pleasuring, masturbation together, uh, watching each other can <laughs> certainly eliminate any other things going into your head. And then the same for sound, you know, music and laughter and, of course, the touch, erotic massage and um, using feathers and, and for smell, smelling your partner or adding aromas, uh, scented essential oils and, you know, taste, uh, tasting your partner or feeding them chocolate. Um, all of these things can basically lead to what I call a brain gasm. Uh, we're we're going to get into that in more detail, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking the listeners, especially the ones that know me personally, y'all are seeing why I like talking to her, don't you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a feeling. Okay. <laughs> so, now, now why, why did you write this book? I, I'm thinking it's pretty obvious, but just, just for the people that, that aren't getting that just yet, why, why did you decide to write this book? Well, everything I write, I do for myself and for my relationship. And um, I went to see the Dalai Lama a few years ago uh, when I was lecturing in India, and I was just so, you know, so impressed by him and his energy and um, the Buddhist 
philosophy of being mindful and I was thinking of a way to incorporate what I learned from the Dalai Lama and all the information that I learned about neuroscience and the science of love and I just wanted to do something really different, really innovative and it has become my number one seminar all over the world and so I kind of just you know, visualized it coming together as a new way to attract a partner, a new way to experience lovemaking, and just a new way to enhance intimacy. So it was really a planned book from beginning to end, and it took about three years actually to finish it. So it's it's my favorite book, as you can probably tell. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing a new one uh, this year, but um, yeah, I, I get these uh, notions and and I start manifesting, and then I start feeling the passion, and and I visualize the end, you know, the end result of how it can help others. That's it. Well, that's that's so much of the motivation. You know, once you get the idea and you see what it's going to do, and then you got to make it happen, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just dreaming isn't going to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, though, it, I mean, I, I love the creative process. And the thing is, I, I don't know that I'd want to just snap my fingers and have it done because I enjoy the process of seeing it come together. So I, I don't uh, there's there's some things I might want to snap my fingers and just have it done, but I mean I I enjoy bringing all the pieces together and seeing it come together and and all that. So I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd want to cut the process real short. That would that would take too much of the fun out of it. Well, yeah, the journey is just as important, if not more pleasurable, than the destination. So I agree with you. Well, and sex is like that, too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah. Not just about the destination. <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I love talking to you, Dr. Ava. Okay. Oh, so, thank you. So, so what do you mean by mindful love and sex? Well, mindfulness, uh, we've been learning a lot about that, I think, recently with meditation being taught, even in in schools when children are very young, it's basically being 100% present when you're eating, when you're bathing, whatever you're doing, but certainly when you're making love, you know, being mindful is is literally having awareness and uh, the attention is 100% on giving your partner pleasure. So some people get more pleasure out of watching their partner having pleasure and I think that is one of the definitions of a really good lover actually and so a technique for example is to put your prominent hand on your partner's heart when you are kissing when you are giving them oral pleasure when you are um, making love having intercourse by putting your prominent hand on your partner's you know, heart creates an energetic um, synchronicity, sexual exchange, and uh, you can move the energy around and you can have mindful and uh, beautiful, beautiful intimacy and sex. So that's just an example of mindfulness. Interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, simple solutions can create great rewards. Well, there's so many things that are so easy to do that ramp up the intimacy between two people. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the things that can be done to create such um, a deeper connection between two people that, that people just skip right over, you know? Yeah, and I mean, one of the biggest problems we have is multitasking, you know. Sure. Most people think that it's good to multitask, but the brain is not physically able to process more than one task at a time. You know, instead it's called spotlighting, which is shifting focus from one task to the next in quick succession, and basically you don't do a good job of any of the tasks. So mindfulness can really replace multitasking, which is so bad for your brain anyway. And... um, you know, that was really important for me to expose that uh, multitasking is a myth. It's, it's very, very bad for you. But uh, as a society, we try to do more than one thing at once. Definitely. Always. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so neurolevology gives people the tools to replace these distractions with mindful intimacy and regain passionate living. True. I like that. So, so what are some of the biggest differences between the male and the female brain? Ah, well, a lot depends on whether you're left or right-brained, of course. Um, but the brain divides its activities, you know, into left brain and right brain preferences. So while both sides are utilized in nearly every activity, many men use the left side of their brain to be practical and make decisions and use logic to help focus on their goals. While many women enjoy the whole picture rather than the end result, and they use the right side of their brain to focus more on visual information like creativity and intuity. And, uh, you know, understanding your own as well as your partner's preferred brain hemisphere sets the foundation for greater communication and more compatibility, um, not to mention, of course, better sex. So um, I teach people how to communicate to somebody who is left-brained or how to communicate to somebody who's right-brained. So, for example, if you want to have sex with somebody who's left-brained, Nikki, how do you think you might um, express that you want to, you know, make passionate love to somebody who's left-brained? Okay, then tell me the, tell me the strength, of, I mean, the, the preference of a person who's left-brained. How do they think? Uh, very logical, very pragmatic, um, very goal-oriented, uh, so, you know, you want to give instructions verbally to a left-brained partner, but visually to a right-brained partner. And you want to sort of stick to a game plan for a left-brained partner, but make room for spontaneity with a right-brained partner. And you want to give options for a left-brained partner, but ask open-ended questions to a right-brained partner. So those are some of the differences. So probably more direct with a left-brained kind of person. Exactly. It's like, I want you now. That's all you Uh, need to say (laughs) to somebody who's left-brained. And... And for some of the professions um, that people have who are left-brained include being, you know, a math teacher or an accountant, a lawyer, um, a politician, uh, you know, um, th- those kinds of professions. So it's not always gender-specific. 
And then somebody who's a right-brained person is a painter, a writer, a musician, um, you know, just somebody who's much more creative. So it's really important to know what side of your brain is most prominent, especially when it comes to love and sex. So it's, it's about knowing your, your target audience. Well, yeah, and also knowing how to strengthen the opposite side of your brain hemisphere is also important. Um, so a right brain strengthening would include meditation, uh, art therapy, dancing with your partner, and a left brain strengthening exercise would include doing crossword puzzles or studying a foreign language or reading to your partner. So you can, you know, activate specific sides of your brain by stimulating the opposite side of the body. Yes, that's a, that's a much easier way. So, you know, um, just uh, holding hands with your non-prominent hand or masturbating with your non-prominent hand will actually activate the opposite part of your brain. So that, that's another little tip that's in my book. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and it keeps you young. It keeps your, you know, your brain cells growing. I mean, just brushing your teeth with your non-prominent hand and uh, little things like that, I think, are so important to keep us young and vibrant and zestful and spontaneous. And, uh, you know, it's not something that we're taught. And I think it's really important both individually and as a couple. All right. Interesting. Well see and, and, and I always think that, that when you're when you're kissing somebody you should you should also get your hands involved. So get both hands involved, not just your prominent hand, but you know. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, a kiss should be more than just a kiss. It I call it facial intercourse, as you may remember. Because I, I think that kissing is so intimate. I think it's one of the most sexual intimate activities that a couple can do. And when a couple is going through a crisis, when they don't like each other anymore, they stop kissing. It's it's actually the first activity that diminishes. Yep, I I talk about that on here a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know you had a great course on kissing, and uh, I think it's one of the most exciting, and it's one of the first things you do when you meet somebody and uh, if you kiss every single day, you'll keep the juices flowing for sure. Quite literally. That's right. Right, right. <laughs> oh, gracious. Actually, I have, actually my, my shortest book out of, out of all 33 of them, my, my shortest book, well, it, I, I call it my report because it, it's too short to be a book. And uh, it's about kissing from head to toe. And I've, I've gotten great feedback on it. And it, it's done really, really well. And, and would you believe I've actually been interviewed by other people to be included in their book as a kissing expert just because of, of that little that report? Well, so. yeah, with millions of nerve endings in the brain devoted just to the lips, passionate kissing is an essential activity, well, even to achieve a brain-gasm. It's, uh, exactly. it's one of the number one activities that's very, very sexy. Well, and, and when I was, when I, I, well, I, I'm jumping around in the book. Instead of reading from beginning to end, I keep finding little things and jumping around. But I, I saw the information about, about 
uh, testosterone when a man is kissing a woman. You want to share that with the audience? Oh, yes, yes. When a man kisses a woman, he transfers testosterone through his saliva. And, of course, testosterone is the sexual hormone. And women have it. A lot of people don't even know that women have it, not as much as men. But that's one of the reasons women love to be kissed before sex, during sex, after sex. You know, it's an addictive, beautiful, sensual, sexual activity that uh, is intoxicating for women. Yes, definitely is, especially when the person Mm -hmm. does. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. So I think we all know that there are external distractions which can cause us problems and when we're we're trying to focus on on our partner during sex and, and you know, intimate time with the person. So but they may not realize that there are also internal distractions that can, can cause us problems. So what mm-hmm. what are some of the internal and external distractions that can that can cause us problems? Well the external is simple. You know, it's it's just um, having a messy environment or even looking at a clock. I always tell people, turn the clock around so you can't see the time because otherwise you're distracted by the time. And some people even, you know, actually time how long they make love, which is not really a good idea. So uh, put your animals out, your pets. Don't leave them in the bedroom. Put away smelly, dirty laundry and get rid of any stale food. So, you know, the, dis- the external is simple. And actually, external distractions only affect our brain about 5%, whereas the internal distractions affect our brain um, 95%. So that's how powerful the internal is. And so it's really important that we become mindful and uh, replace any internal distractions such as I feel fat, I'm ugly, <laughs> I don't like my partner today because he or she um, didn't compliment me or didn't call me, um, all that nonsense, all that negative self-talk is very, very destructive to your self-confidence, to your self-love, and to, you know, creating a beautiful, intimate environment where you can experience the best sex of your life. It definitely does cause problems. Is that that those two little voices? <laughs> it's those little voices. Yeah, we we've got to forgive ourselves for thinking those voices, and um, just keep telling yourself positive affirmations. I love myself. I'm so sexy. I'm so such a good lover. I'm so blessed to have this partner who who desires me. You know, I'm gonna have the best orgasm I've ever had today. So say some of those things instead. If the voices are going to talk to you, have them say good things. <laughs> exactly. You're in control. You, you know, nobody can allow uh, negative self-talk but you. So even if somebody does say something to you that's negative, you don't have to let it into your head. You can just think, oh, that's nonsense. I'm fabulous. That's it. We need to switch out the playlist. Get a more positive playlist, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the, another 
Another piece of advice that I give is pretend you're 10 times bolder than you already are sexually. So, you know, do a striptease, talk erotically, um, you know, uh, just do things that you wanted to do but you just were afraid to do and expand those boundaries. Hmm, interesting. All right, I like that. So what are some ways that we can be more compatible with our partner? I don't think you can ever be too compatible with with your partner. So how do we ramp right. up the Yeah, well, to be more compatible, you need to learn about what turns them on. You know, you need to share fantasies with each other, non-judgmentally, of course, And, you know, some of the little exercises that I give to increase compatibility is to share fantasies and then put the fantasies in different piles. So one pile of fantasies you want to keep as fantasies, like maybe you don't want to have group sex or even a threesome, but it's a great fantasy that you can talk about during making love. So then there's the other pile of fantasies that you both want to turn into reality like maybe you want to make love on the beach or maybe you want to make love uh, you know by the window and and sort of um, you know exhibitionist or uh, voyeuristic fantasies are very common and then the third pile of fantasies that you both actually disagree upon and that's an interesting pile because maybe one of you wants to indulge in some sadomasochistic bondage or domination fantasy and the other person is uncomfortable with that. But that opens up for great communication. So instead of rejecting your partner by saying, oh my God, I never want to explore BDSM because that's for people who like pain, um, perhaps you can talk about, well, you know, I definitely don't want to be whipped or tied up, but, uh, you know, if it turns you on, maybe a little tiny gentle spanking would be okay. So you're negotiating. You know, we, we negotiate in the boardroom. We can also negotiate in the bedroom so that it's win-win for both people and that there's more compatibility and there's no rejection or ridicule or judgment. Well, the thing is, if if you never talk about fantasies that you have, you're you're never going to discover things that you you may both want to try that you just don't know. You know, you you may both you may be both interested in the same things, but if you don't talk about it, you're never going to know. That's right. You can't read your partner's mind, and and one of the reasons so many people stray is because they find it easier to have sex with a stranger. Uh, to live out their sexual fantasies than with their partner because they're just so fearful to share a fantasy that, um, you know, they're just afraid that their partner will say something negative to them like, oh, you're crazy. That's disgusting. I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, um, thank your partner for sharing a fantasy no matter how crazy it is. And laugh together and explore together. And it's okay to say, well, I don't think I would like that. 
um, but I would like this. So maybe, you know, you don't want your partner to buy you a sex swing, um, but maybe you'll explore the Kama Sutra book and pick a few positions that do turn you on. There's always a there's always an area where you can negotiate. Well, you know, even even if it's you're, something you're not interested in, thank them for trusting you by telling you what they were thinking. You know, because that's it right. Does take, it does take a level of trust to share something that 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 deep inside you. You know, and, and making yourself vulnerable to the other person. So you know, appreciate that they trust you that much. Even if, even if you think it's an insane idea, don't tell them you think it's crazy. You know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just say, I love that you shared that with me, but it's just not my thing, you know. And and right. like you said, find find something that that you'd be okay with that might be even one tenth of what they want to do. Make an effort, you know. Make make an effort. Right, exactly. That shows it shows trust. It shows love. It shows compatibility. Yeah, there's always an area that you can both agree upon. Um, And if there isn't, that means you really do need professional help. Uh, And it means that you are very angry with each other. There's contempt. There's a lack of forgiveness. And the good news is there's help from love coaches like yourself, Nikki, or, you know, therapists or uh, psychologists. There is plenty of help out there so that you don't have to sort of uh, break up prematurely, you know, at least knowing that you tried everything with your partner before it's terminated, I think is a really good idea. It, it, just, I, it amazes me that things that couples just, just don't even try to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're know. lazy. Some people are just lazy, um, oh. or they're uneducated, or they uh, they just keep thinking, oh, well, you know, I can find somebody better. The grass is greener on the other side. And believe me, I see a lot of clients who tell me that they regret breaking up with somebody that was really good to them. Right. That's right. What was it? There, there was a, a meme the other day on Facebook that says, if the grass is greener on the other side, try, try watering it on your side first. I saw that. I saw that. That's very like, good advice. <laughs> like, you know, put put some effort into your side before you change things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Okay, now we've we've kind of teased the audience about this, so let's let's dive into it. Okay, now now there are orgasms, there are bigasms, trigasms, ergasms, and all these other other wonderful, wonderful experiences. So tell us what are Braingasms. Well, braingasms are simply, as you said earlier, that sex starts between the ears as your brain influences the kind of sex that you want to have, you know, from romantic or playful or intimate or erotic or wild. And then it releases a powerful, you know, cocktail of brain chemicals as the sensations of pleasure travel between your legs. So even Einstein said imagination is more important than knowledge. And, you know, once the juices are flowing, you focus on your partner with full attention, being mindful, looking deep into their eyes, 
and uh, releasing that bonding chemical of oxytocin and you establish a greater sense of intimacy that increases desire and as we mentioned earlier, you put your prominent hand on each other's heart, um, you look into each other's eyes, you synchronize your breathing, um, you caress their most sensitive erogenous zones from the top of their neck to the tip of their toes, you can uh, blow your cool breath on the left side of your partner's body to stimulate the right side of their brain, um, you know, so that... By the time you've stimulated all of the senses and connected intimately, your partner should be begging you to uh, to make passionate love to them. And uh, it's it's enjoying the journey more than the destination. It's teasing. It's it's you know uh, whispering in their ear. It's doing everything but having sexual intercourse. <laughs> That's a braingasm. So by the time you do have intercourse, you're ready to have this mind-blowing, earth-shattering, body-melting orgasm that, of course, includes the brain. And there's been lots of scans on the brain um, during orgasm, and it lights up every single part of the brain. Uh, there's nothing else that does that, nothing, nothing at all, not even taking heroin. <laughs> I, 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 you know, no desire to do heroin whatsoever, but mm-hmm. I, yep, yep, yep. I know which one of those two I would pick any day of the week. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, are are there? We're, we're going to come back to orgasm shortly, but let me let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, are there power struggles within couples? And if there are, which I, I think there are, but I'm going to get your feedback on it, what can we offer suggestions to help couples to deal with and overcome these struggles? So, yeah, power struggles are common, and they're often affected by right and left-brained um, lack of compatibility. Um, some of the things you can do are just, you know, have your weekly date night, but take turns initiating what that date is going to be. So also initiating sex, take turns so that one person doesn't always have to be the initiator because, you know, that's boring and it can, uh, it can create sort of uh, animosity sometimes. So, you know, these are really important things. Uh, we both want to feel like we're equal. True. And uh, the best way is to um, make sure we always have that equality in and out of the bedroom. I think it's really, really important that everything we do, we, we feel equal, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually, sexually, so that there isn't that power struggle. Although exchanging power in the bedroom can be fun, too. You know, blindfolding your partner and then um, taking away other senses and so forth can be a lot of fun. Definitely. Well, and, and the thing is, if, if you lessen one sense, you're going to ramp up another. So it, it, mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Exactly. So what's, what is our strongest sense when it comes to desire? Definitely smell. Um, when you're dating, you can actually get somebody hooked on you uh, 
by um, finding out what their favorite aroma is, Mm. you know, food or perfume smell, whether it's apple pie or cinnamon or whether it's, um, you know, a a cologne that's got some uh, musk or lavender. And if you make sure that you have that smell, that aroma, every time you see each other, that person will become addicted to you very easily. So that's one of my tips. Um, and, and, you know, the pheromones, they attract us to the people that we're most sexually um, attracted to. That's what chemistry is. You love the way that your partner smells. So smell is most definitely um, the number one sense. It's the most primitive sense. That's true. The body's mm-hmm. helping <laughs> yes. Okay. This is a question I get asked a lot, and and we're gonna we're gonna go to the expert and get get your feedback on this. For for people that are having, especially women that are having a hard time uh, having an orgasm, what are some tips that you would offer them? Well, so you first you need to know why they have it, why they can't have an orgasm. You know, um, the main thing is that they need to get their hormones checked to make sure that it's not hormonal. That's important. And if it's psychological, then they need to basically give themselves permission to surrender to pleasure. A lot of women don't feel worthy of having an orgasm. And other women are just being distracted by all the negative self-talk. So they need to get into a juicy frame of mind and do whatever it is that helps them to relax whether it's taking a bubble bath before sex, eating chocolate, drinking a glass of wine, um, watching a romantic movie, reading erotica, whatever it is, women have to take responsibility for their own pleasure. It's not a man's job to give us an orgasm. But having said that, we also do need to get the right kind of stimulation. So getting a sex toy to stimulate the clitoris during uh, penetration can help a woman have an orgasm. Um, I've taught a lot of women to exercise their PC muscles, um, and then they've had their first orgasm once they've been able to do that. So there are many wonderful solutions that women can try in order to experience orgasm for the first time. Uh, But one of the easiest ones is just to fantasize. Just fantasize about anything you want, whether it's Brad Pitt, you know, making love to you, or whether it's group sex, or whether it's being filmed, or or whether it's being on a beach with, um, you know, anybody, uh, a woman, um, whatever it is, fantasies are a safe place. You don't have to share every fantasy with your lover either. True. Mm-hmm. This is true. Would it, this is something I was uh, hit me the other day. Let me just run run it past me, past you and see what you think. Um, would it for somebody that, that's had a difficult time with this and they've they've been trying with a partner and they're just they're having a hard time? Is it easier since, since it is our responsibility? And I've I've told that to many people. It's like you know don't don't put it all on on man because it's not his job. I mean, we, we, we like the man to work with us and to help facilitate, definitely, but it's not the man's job to give you an orgasm. Okay, so if this is a difficulty for people, is it, isn't it easier if 
the woman actually masturbates and, and learns her body and can give herself her first orgasm and then <clears throat> is able to help the man and explain to him what she needs in order to have an orgasm. Absolutely, yes, 100%. It's always easier for us to explore our own body, whether it's a clitoral orgasm, a G-spot orgasm, an anal orgasm, a braingasm, whatever it is. If we can give ourselves one first, then we can give the guy or the woman that we're making love to directions on how to, you know, enable us to have an orgasm. And that's why I think mutual masturbation is so exciting because it's also educational, it's safe sex, it's um, erotic, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those great sensual, sexual activities that can be magical and memorable. It's just so hot. (laughs) (laughs) It is very erotic watching your lover and... um, talking erotically together and really learning how and where they like to be touched. Yeah. I think it should be mandatory. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you know, and, and we, we each should know our body the best, and then we can share that with our partner and help them to learn our body, and, and then they can help us discover new things about ourselves and each other. So mm-hmm. Sounds like a plan to me. Oh, yes. Definitely. And you can tell when your body is out of balance by exploring it and touching it and, and looking at it and playing with it. So it is empowering. Well, you know, there's so, there's so many things that, that I've learned through, through the studying and working with you and all that that, that are just, like, like I said, so empowering. It just makes so much, such a difference. It's, just, it's awesome. It really is. Well, believe it or not, the hour is up. Yay, I can't believe it. It went so quickly. It always does. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for coming and being with us today. And I I think we gave the audience lots and lots to think about. And it's always just fascinating to learn about the the mind and the brain and how it all works together and, and how we can learn more about ourselves and our partners. And Thank you very much, Dr. Ava. Anytime you've got something you'd like to share with the audience, you are more than welcome to come on the show. Oh, thank you. I'll let you know when my new book is out. It's going to be called Sexercise, and it's going to be a DVD and a book and an app and retreats, so you'll be the first to hear about it. Awesome. And and she has a whole series of DVDs about about every topic imaginable, folks, every topic imaginable. Oh, yes. Thank you, Nikki, for having me, and keep up the good work for the next 100 episodes of your show. Will do, definitely. And listeners, I'll see you next time on Ready for Love Radio. 